Hello and welcome to Vet Chloe on the Road. Insights from real people making positive change for our planet. I am Chloe, a veterinarian who has an interest in wildlife and all things environmental. And this is a show for people who would like to connect, learn, and prioritize caring for our beautiful green and blue world. Come join me as I travel around Australia in my van, Layla. Let's share all things conservation and meet all the inspiring environmental heroes along the way. And on today's episode, we are lucky to squeeze in an extra interview. To fully complete my lap of Oz and this Vet Chloe on the Road adventure, I really needed to return home to Bermuda a year later where it all began with my first interviews. So during my recent trip to Bermuda, I interviewed an old friend, Spencer Field. Spencer set up his beekeeping and maintenance service, Passion Fields, on the island a few years ago and has done an incredible job in helping the island's bee population and the natural world it supports. You must check out his Instagram at passion.fields. And this interview is good timing because the Bermuda honey winter wait is over. What's called the Fiddlewood Flow is being harvested now. So all you lucky Bermudians tuning in who can get your hands on Spencer's honey can learn about all the hard work that has been put into it. But for everyone around the world, we should all know more about this fascinating and important insect. We have all had it brought to our attention that the health of bees has been under threat. And besides producing delicious honey, they are essential to the pollination of plants and flowers. We must always appreciate everything is interconnected. The future of the bees is our future too. So when home, I followed Spencer as he did his routine checks on his beehives, and he gave me a crash course in beekeeping 101. It was fascinating. Check out my Instagram at vetchloe, where I posted in July on everything I learned and wanted to share. Spencer has a wealth of knowledge on the topic and a holistic approach. To set the scene, I was in a full bee suit, Spencer bee jacket. We were using the smoke can and lifting these boxes of hives and opening them carefully to check out the frames. And at times they were so heavy, full of beautiful honey. Beekeeping is a passion of Spencer's and he says the mecca of horticulture. After sweaty hard work in midsummer heat, we had a glass of water out on my porch. You'll hear the sounds of the Atlantic Ocean in the background. Listen in as we have a chat on all things bees. Welcome to the show, Spencer. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks, Chloe and guests. Yeah. Happy I, to be on. Yes, thank you for having us. We've had a fabulous morning where I've followed you in the day of the life of a beekeeper here in Bermuda. Um, can you tell people listening in what we just got up to? So uh, I have uh, several uh, apiaries throughout the island. Uh, I manage 250 hives. so. Um, in one end of the island, I had about 30 to 40 hives um, spraced upon several apiaries. Uh, basically, I went, I went through each hive uh, to see if it was queen right, to see what stage of growth it was at, uh, if it needed another box. Um, right now, I'm planning to harvest uh, at the end of uh, August, so I'm looking to see if the nectar on the hive is ripened and capped. Yep. Uh, then thus. I can harvest it. Um, so generally, the end of August is my first harvest, which is my fiddlewood uh, bloom. Really nice, light, rich uh, honey. Mm. Um, it's an invasive tree. Uh, it's from um, Australia, I believe, or New Zealand, um, and uh, does really well here. It was, it was brought here for firewood. Right. Uh, it grew fast and it grew thick and it burnt really clean. Right. 
for fire. Did you refer to it as like the fiddle would flow? Because flow the, is when the, the honey is exactly yep. being um, produced. That's yeah. kind of, I learned so many terms following Spencer, it was hard to keep up. So <laughs> um, it was a good introduction to our chat now. Great, yeah. 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 And, you know, to also start, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into bees, just to back up a bit? Yeah, well, um, it's a, the business I, I, I have is a limited liability business, so I do general maintenance and beekeeping. Uh, beekeeping is a passion of mine, I absolutely love it, um, but I wasn't always a beekeeper. Uh, I did a course, several courses with a local beekeeper um, yeah. uh, several years ago, around 10 years ago, um, and I wasn't able to get my first hive until uh, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I uh, love keeping bees, uh, I love thinking and pondering what could be wrong or what can I do better to improve um, the system. Um, bees are a social animal, yeah. so it's, it's incredible to uh, learn and uh, process what they're doing yeah. and make it better. Yeah, yeah, no, fascinating work. And what I've realized is that it's a real physical job, but it's a real brainy job too. Like, you've got to really know the, the life cycles and, and also be intuitive. It seems like it's, I think... I guess what ten years since learning, um, you're now flourishing with all that knowledge and yeah, practical work. Yeah, it's it's definitely seasonal. Um, um, it has its seasons, like uh, like farming or early in the agricultural work. Um, um, it, it relies off the land, um, so I'm at risk to storms. Um, yeah. And you got to take all those in, into consideration and account. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can have very big losses. Yeah. Uh, and that's not good for anyone. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. And, you know, what's your goal behind all of this um, beekeeping? What's the importance of bees? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I'd be so humble to say that uh, I, I know enough, but, uh, you know, every year I'm learning, every year I'm growing, I'm changing my uh, standard operating procedures to, to be better uh, for myself and for the bees and, and for the management of everything, uh, streamlines it. Um, so right now I just want to improve the bee the bee population uh, and uh, create better hives that are out there uh, mm-hmm. from better genetics. So yeah. spreading on genetics that are clearly uh, superior. Um, if they survive category four or five hurricanes, two month long droughts of no rain, um, up to 90, 96 degree uh, heat, uh, incredible here in Bermuda, um, salt water or 21 square miles over 600 miles away from the nearest land. So yeah. the bees that we have here are, are being forced to, to breed out They're the hardy, weakness. right? Yeah. They're not in a lush meadow in Europe. <laughs> in the winter time, it gets to 55 degrees. It still has 80, 90% humidity. Yeah. Um, and 55 degrees is quite moist uh, with a, a 15, 22 knot wind. Yeah. Um, and, and it just sucks the, the life out of the bees. So uh, mm. only the stronger bees will survive here and they've been doing that for the past 400 years wow, yeah. uh, and is uh, that when it was introduced i guess with settlers yeah bees were originally brought over by on sailboat mm. uh, they brought over two hives um an english okay, on purpose on purpose mm. it was a, it was a gift um the sailor uh, uh was gifted uh several bees uh he was into it uh he came over on the journey to be mm. colonies and uh they they uh survived and, and thrived so there were no bees originally, or um, are these introduced bee species? This is a, yeah, a, I deal with Apis mellifera. It's a European honeybee. Um, so there are four species of bees here. Uh, there's two types of wasps, uh, one type of a solitary leafcutter bee, 
It lives mm. in the rock. Solitary. Yeah, uh, oh. and it lays its uh, egg. That's a with a brain in, warp. Yeah, it's because you think of them always in groups. Yeah. Yeah, there's many thousand species of bees, and uh, uh, they've just survived doing what they do. They're really good. They have different shapes. Uh, the wasps are, are, um, are red, huge paper wasps. Then we have smaller black and yellow mud wasps mm. that make little uh, cool cylindrical tube huts. Yeah. Under rock faces wow. or under eaves or, or so wherever. So would some of them have been here endemically or? Uh, they could have been introduced, but yeah. um, um, because of these smaller um, species of uh, colonies, they're able to survive on a small desolate island. Mm. So how long they've actually been here and surviving, who knows? Because yeah. there are a lot of these species that we have here, fauna, plants, uh, other animals, uh, all spun up from the Caribbean and Florida and Florida Keys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, and you mentioned earlier today that bees are what 250 million years old. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so over they're pretty hardy, having survived. Yeah, Apis mellifera is around 80 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that's one of the types, one of the species of. Uh, bees. Three, three honeybees. Yeah. Okay, uh, and that's how, why you call it an apiary because it's. Uh, a beehive, right? That that other term. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, a beehive is, is is a successful colony. Three colonies are successful in uh, one location. Is referred to in an apiary. Right. Uh, an apiary is a colony of bees are social organisms. So to have uh, multiple different genetics surviving in an area, um, yeah. creating a drone population and a breeding colony is referred to the, uh, uh, an apiary. Mm-hmm. Uh, for someone who tens bees, uh, an apiarist. Um, That's who you are. And uh, the bee type that I manage is an uh, apis mellifera. Okay. Uh, European honeybee. Wow. Yeah, fascinating. I love learning about it. And, you know, how would you say the bee situation is now compared to when you first started getting into it? Because I guess your goal is to have healthy bees, healthy natural ecosystems, yeah? Yeah, you definitely would want to balance. Um, and uh, when I first got into it 10 years ago, it took me almost two years of waiting to actually get my first hive from the point when I did my first lessons and the deluge into uh, uh, the life of beekeeping. Wow. Um, and it was pretty cool. Stayed with me for two years. I um, had the opportunity to do a uh, hive removal. I did a hive removal with a local beekeeper. And then eventually I was given a, a split from this local beekeeper, a gentleman named Albert Swan. Um, there's several... Uh, Beekeepers in Bermuda. Um, it's an old, timely tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun, uh, heritage thing to do. Um, but uh, when I started, the, the bee population was decreased by 75% um, yeah. due to this uh, varroa mite uh, and the vector of spreading diseases and viruses. Right. Uh, at such a crazy rate. Uh, and we were discussing how it's a huge range of diseases, like disturbing their wings and stunting growth and. Um, malnutrition, dysentery, and yeah, dysentery, yeah, other other sexual back, uh, viruses that can be passed on, yeah, uh, genetically. Has that might continue to be a problem, or like is the bee population healthier from a decade ago, or what's happening? Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, um, bee, bees are complex animals, and they rely on on the environment and, and many other things. So, uh, to be honest, um, constant conservation of all those things is really the best way to help. Um, right now, I do a lot of humane removals from people's properties. Yeah. That involves me going to the property and physically removing the hive from the ceiling or other area, which is perfectly fine. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, a long time ago, before the bees were here, I mean, it was mainly wind pollinated. Pollinators are here. We now are supporting a higher vege vegetation support uh, life, right? We're very dynamic, so we can support birds, land animals, amphibians, uh, reptiles. So that biodiversity is here. It's cool. Uh, large migratory birds, mm -hmm. right, from our waters. And it's all interconnected. Um, and uh, just being able to support everything and... Uh, you know, rationing it off. I mean, uh, there's so many houses that are going up. Um, um, but uh, as long as you're just importantly, you know, removing and dealing with nature rather than casting aside, yeah. uh, it'll have a fighting chance. And it'll, hopefully they'll turn out better yeah. from the 75% the, the loss. We're back up there. Presently, have over 250 hives yeah. um, as of 2019. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy it. I want to get to more than that. But I definitely need the proper... Uh, set up yeah yeah no i mean you're definitely a real strong positive force for the bees if you weren't doing your work it would not be as positive their future outlook but, can well, you see palpable change in the work you're doing yeah absolutely um i mean i'm around bees so often um i have so many conversations with people um who i put bees on their property and yep. they're seeing a notice I know a general area as um, the only way for bees to reproduce is to swarm. I, I'm noticing a higher swarm calls response. So a swarm from a feral hive will go on someone's private property. That private homeowner will call me for a, a removal of that those mm -hmm. bees. I'll do it for free um, um, and uh, remove those bees um, as a swarm. And there's other ways of those removals, but the gist is getting those swarms into boxes and putting them on colonies mm -hmm. in places where they can be better suited to not start the people around them. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's a big part of the work you do is answering calls from the community, right? People. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I, I do a lot of outreach with uh, um, schools. I go to do a lot of talks. Um, yeah. I'm in partnership with uh, Winnow. Um, it's a, a, an experience app for people who want to experience um, what I have just done, or you've just done today, uh, yes. life of the role of the beekeeper, and it helps them better understand their point of view uh, on the reality of uh, what's happening. Um, cool. It's awesome to have a positive attitude and a positive direction, but it's not if it's not um, realistical, then it's not going to do anyone any good. So. Yeah, yeah, it's cool because you've got action there and you've got the education there and getting young kids involved is yep. pretty awesome. Could you pretend that me and the listeners are young kids um, and maybe just briefly explaining the, the bee life cycle, you know, going, following Spencer this morning, it was really fascinating because he knows the ins and outs of them. It's highly uh, complex, um, or at least to myself, kind of from the outside. Um, but what's it like living in a, in, a, in a bee colony? What's going on in there? Well, yeah, well, uh, in order to be in a bee colony, um, everyone's seen the bee movie or other bee characters. <laughs> yes. um, and that, that's pretty much accurate, less the talking. Um, <laughs> but uh, definitely, um, it is a large social structure. Uh, the bees I keep, they do uh, make honey in abundance, uh, but that honey in abundance is only certain times of the year. So there's definitely not... Uh, whole bunch of honey in the hive but all, all, all year round but they definitely do collect it when it's available mm -hmm. um, to do that they have to be able to communicate uh, what's going on inside the hive it's a pitch black area so um, they they definitely do dance they do vibrations they release pheromones within the hive uh, that has a hierarchy the bees are very fluffy uh, and they have hairs on them and that pheromone sticks to their hairs and they brush right. up against each other 
passing on the structure of that hive, reinforcing the the, the relationship between all the bees. Right. Um, it's a social machine. Um, it's amazing to think that that's how they communicate. You know, yes, they can't talk, but um, many other ways to communicate between them. Yeah. And so you've got the the queen bee. I'm always fascinated by her. Um, but then you've got this is my understanding. You've got the workers. Um, and then you've got what are called the drones. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the workers are all female. Yeah, is that yeah, right? Uh, the uh, the hierarchy within the hive. Yeah. What is what is so, that? So uh, the, the queen is literally the queen. There's only one queen typically in every hive, uh, a laying queen, um, and she's definitely um, the the boss in that hive. She uh, gets fed whenever she wants. All she has to do is lay eggs and produce offspring. So these offspring and the eggs that she will lay will either be female or male. Mm-hmm. The female are called workers. They hatch out as nurse bees, they go through a transformation, and they become foragers. And they'll be foraging for things like nectar, pollen, water, propolis, uh, possible places to live, move into, dry cavities, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and um, the, the males of the drones, they um, are there pretty much seasonally when uh, conditions are good, for favorable for mating and the reproduction of bees through swarming. Mm. And they're a bit bigger. You can actually see that. Drones, yeah. Good, good reference for drones is bulbous. Yeah. <laughs> There's different size cells for for males and different size cells for males for the gestative cycle. For females, yeah, yeah. So we were lifting out these frames, you know, the classic wooden frame from these hives, and seeing, um, you know, I'll share photos of it. But there's um, smaller cap cells that are the female workers, and larger ones, which is the the drones, male drones. yeah, drones, yeah. Uh, very bulbous. Um, and the varroa mites prefer to gestate uh, off of the um, male bees, the drones, because they're at a lower, slightly lower temperature, mm. uh, and um, they have they're they're much bigger, so they have more of a food reserve right. for the gestating varroa mite wow. that's also gestating in the same cell, um, and that's what really causes the collapse is that your varroa mite is working just as hard as your bees, uh, mm. as hard as their little cells work. Yeah. Uh, um, and it just collapses the hive from the inside. Gosh. And this queen will go out and breed with many drones the, the on virgin, the fly? Yeah, the virgin queen will go out for her virgin mating flight. Uh, and it's 500 feet up in the air? Typically, Candy? yeah. It, typically, there's a drone layer that's 500 feet up in the air. Typically, those these drone layers are between uh, two high-rises or two high peaks, and it creates a, a heat patch wow. in the middle, and that's where the drone... Drone congregation areas uh, are tended. Only the biggest and strongest drones go up there, or the, you know, the biggest genetics. and the strongest drones are, are able to fly up there longer. The typical flight right. for a male bee is 25 minutes, and it has to come back to the hive and fuel up. Um, that may take a couple minutes. It may take a couple hours, depending on how, how tired he is and mm-hmm. uh, or how weak he is. So yeah. the biggest, strongest males have a higher chance of being out there the longest, flying up there the furthest getting to the queen for all the other males and uh, passing on the genetic genetic lineage. So that, that um, genetic lineage we brought into the queen and the successful candidates would be uh, the next generation's hierarchy wow. of that uh, female hive. And, you know, we're going to hive to hive and they all have a different personality type. Like some are a bit more aggressive um, than others. Some have a better work ethic. Um, Some can have a disease better, which yeah. is what's really helping um, the island come back. The Bermuda government banned the, the use of uh, pesticides uh, and other uses on varroa mite. Um, so the, the population just really decimated. Um, 
but the bees that were able to survive have a much higher genetic profile. Mm. So why was the pesticide banned if it was killing mites that were harming uh, because bees? Because there's, there's also uh, health risks to humans. Yeah. Well, right now, I'm, I'm, um, I want to use an organic chemical. Yeah. Oxalic acid. Um, hey, you showed of, me the device. Since 2014, it's been, been tried and true. Um, so the thing with the varroa mite is just don't treat once, treat three, four times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't treat with honey on your hive. Be a part of the beekeeping association or club in your area. Yes. Um, and uh, manage your bees. Yeah. Uh, if they need more space, give them more space. If they need to be slowed down, slow them down. Don't just have bees for the sake of having bees. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, otherwise you make everyone else's work ten times harder. Yeah. No, I can see that you do carefully watch your hives, and there's a real skill in doing that properly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, no one has to be full-on dedicated. But uh, just knowing what's going on in your hive at that time of year uh, is simply the best thing for, for anyone to know. And that yeah. just comes with experience and working with your bees. Yeah. You learn every, something every day every time you work with your bees. Yeah. So there should be no reason why you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's... Um, I've, I've just loved learning all about the life of the bees and sort of how people can help that as well, facilitate that. Yep. Um, so by planting trees, you don't have to be a beekeeper. You exactly, can support yeah. biodiversity. Just have a healthy garden, lots of flowers and things that attract them. And you were even saying, you know, seasonal, a happy ecosystem. If you've got yep. lots of frogs or lizards, spiders, it's all part Pred- of. Predation is good. Predation yeah. is good. Yep. Only the strongest will survive, and that's at the end of the day, what it, what it's what it needs to be about. Yeah. Um, also conservation, but conservation in the right way. Yeah. And so, how many hives do you think you have? come across or saved or um, so you've got yeah, 250 working at the moment quite a bit, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I typically can um, lose probably about 25% of my hives over the winter time through inferior genetics um, but throughout the year I'll probably lose more like 35% of my hives that I just give up on mm. and I take the inferior bees I'll kill the queen and the inferior bees I'll just add to another colony um, so I don't actually get rid of the bees. I just uh, put those bees into another box with a, with another colony that's at similar similar strength or yeah. issues, and then I will be able to save my boxes and my equipment and be able to use them for another day. Yeah. And still have a twice as stronger hive next to it. Yeah, keep it nice and healthy. That's management. Yeah. So, what kind of service do you provide people if someone says? I would like to have a yeah. beehive on my property. What can very you do? Very unique. Yeah, I offer a very unique service for the past four years yeah. um, since I've been commercially operating as a beekeeper. Um, so basically, uh, if you want to hive on your property, I can install it. I can figure out the right place. I can walk you through everything. Um, if you have fruit trees, I can offer um, what type of fruit trees to plant, where, uh, all that good stuff. Because um, it's all about propagation as well. We might as well benefit from health of the bees give them something and also benefit from that mm-hmm. um, and also gives us a reason to tend it tend yeah. to it care to it you know what I mean um, but um, yeah um, so uh, I'll put the bees on your property and I'll give you a, a bottle of honey every month over a four year period it's contracted uh, it's a very fair deal I'm not trying to it's not a get rich scheme it's just to uh, ensure bees are plentiful and accepted on people's properties that want to help out um, mm. I find all, all too often I find a lot of people love bees they just don't love them on their property <laughs> yes. uh, and, and I can respect that because there's definitely two reactions with bees and, and it's it's fight or flight and uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's an appreciation, and that's what makes it so captivating. Yeah. Bees yeah. are a wild animal. They are, aren't they? Absolutely. Yep. And what's involved in, um, tell us about what you have to wear and, you know, the, 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 the practicality, how to smoke. The beekeepers, the beekeeper uh, safety, Device. the safety toolkit. Yeah, definitely want a, a, a bee suit. I wear a jacket. I don't wear gloves. Gloves are clumsy to get in the way. Um, I don't mind a couple bee stings. I'm not allergic. Yeah. Um, and um, I use my smoker to smoke the bees, calm them down, make them want to gorge on honey. When they gorge on honey, they're a lot more uh, easier to handle, a calmer trance, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, if you don't smoke bees, you'll hurt people around you. Yeah. Um, and obviously my hive tool, because uh, yeah. bees make the special thing go propolis. And uh, you yes. can quickly jar and smash frames around and do a lot more damage. Yeah. Uh, so just bring your hive tool. Yeah, no, um, it's sort of like this little, uh, I guess, spatula <laughs> slash. Scraper, uh, paint scraper. Paint scraper, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. to sort of wedge and sort of open up these. And they're, they're extremely heavy. Um, Spencer tried to get me to lift one up. It was the honey box full there. of honey. Yeah, and yeah. it was um, very, very heavy. And can you tell us a little bit, because this is what I was most fascinated with, was... Um, bees in their way of navigating how do they right. do that yeah uh, well um, bees are pretty cool they got three little small dots on the back of their head these dots uh, just pick up the sunlight and uh, it's a perfect shape of a triangle uh, bees have five eyes two sensory eyes on the front of the head and then three small dots perfect shape of a triangle mm. um, and that's for when the bees go out for their foraging flight or their defecation flight or they're disposing something from the hive and dropping it in the bush um, and that also compost to the ground, good, good food, soil stuff to energy too. Um, but anyways, the bee will fly out and the sun will hit the back of the bee's head and they'll be able to navigate. Um, uh, they'll do circles and figure eights as they fly up and mm -hmm. pretty much get a three-point position on the sun, the position where they are and going, and the hive. Mm. The bees will be able to figure right back out to the very inch or the half inch of where they've left and come back um, used thanks to this uh, sensory organ. That's insane. That's insane. insane. <laughs> yeah. Tiny little geniuses. Um, and what's their lifespan um, for all the different types of bees, you know, the hierarchy? Yeah, um, well, um, so obviously three types of bees. The queen lives the longest. She's fed a strict diet of royal jelly. Uh, that's what really helps her. Um, she lives for about four to five years. Um, she may swarm several times during that time, creating several new colonies as she goes. And the stronger genetics that are able to mate, the virgin queen that is, with the successful stronger drones in the drone congregation areas, are, are the ones that will be able to survive that swarming process and recolonize that swarm colony, creating a newer genetic uh, right. mix of this year's successful male male season. The fiddle will just flower so there's the, the hives are at their pretty much the most capacity 45, 60,000 bees um, in uh, November I'll be harvesting again uh, glorious sets of bees um, um, it's, this flow comes twice as strong it just happened. And the workers are far less, 3 to 6 months in yeah, comparison yeah so, yeah, so because of all this energy dispersal of energy during this time this time here the workers may only live for about a month. Oh really? Uh, and the first 2-3 weeks of that bee's life 
is, is a nurse bee. It's nursing the hive. It's, it's learning how to communicate, how to do all those things, you know, high, high protein content, diet, getting mm-hmm. the energy at the stores mm-hmm. needed to fly the distances and survive its rest of its life on, on nectar mm-hmm. um, and collecting nectar and honey and reverting it into honey, rather. Yeah. Uh, storing it for the winter. Yeah, because we kind of um, got, I really got to the nitty gritty of uh, pollination and bees, because they basically, you nitty know, gritty. I yeah. did. I got to the real ABCs of it, you know, because um, you know, we all know that bees pollinate, but what is actually happening? I guess they go to one flowering plant, take the nectar, but then the little dusty yellow pollen gets on their body, and they move to all other the little special hairs they got. Special yeah. hairs. They move to other flowering plants and. Cross pollinization. Cross pollinate, yes. yeah, and it goes through the the stamina. Yeah, the pistol thingy. Yeah, <laughs> of the flower, and then down to you know combine the chromosomes, and then they produce a bulb or a seed or a. Yep. Then they take that nectar from the flower. It's sort of an exchange, symbiotic relationship, back to the hive, and they may regurgitate that. Several times. Nectar. Uh, and that nectar. Combining will... it will definitely be shared with very high uh, antibodies, proteins, enzymes within that live inside the bee's gut. And that's right. what helps refine it and uh, cure it, um, almost like uh, making but cheese. But it comes out through the front end, not the back end. It, it, the com- it comes from, so bees don't have teeth. They yeah. have a stinger. Bees don't bite, they sting. Yeah. They sting with their stinger on their back. Uh, male, mammal skin have an epidermal layer yeah. that gets caught on the bee's barb. Bees can sting other bees multiple times and not die. It's just our mammal skin that uh, 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 triggers this bar from getting stuck in their, their stinger and venom sac. And but do they have a little proboscis that sucks up? Uh, they have, a, yeah, they have like a little uh, um, feathery sponge. Um, right. They'll suck it up, um, and they'll suck up water. They'll suck up nectar. They'll rob honey with this thing. And, and it goes into their gut, moves fill around. In their, fill in their, their first gut, yeah, and. Uh, They'll expand and contract. So honey is kind of like bee vomit, or absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's 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 fermented bee vomit, actually. Yeah. That's delicious. Yeah. Actually, it was wonderful because we took the honeycomb straight and we're just chewing it. It's sort of like a chewy, kind of gummy, waxy consistency, but super sweet with the honey. With the beeswax honeycomb. Yeah, and it was warm straight out of the hive. It was yeah, an amazing experience. So you know, before my wrap-up question, Spence, do you want to? I guess you've, we've kind of touched on it. You want to encourage people to respect the bees, give you a call, be aware of your services. Um, you're on Instagram. You've got a website. What do you uh, want people well, to de- know? Yeah, definitely be a part of the – my first thing is always be a part of the Beekeeping Association. Great. Uh, that way you, you know things, you're aware of things, and you're, you're a lot easier to deal with issue of bees. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're a part of that. You run it. You help – Yep, definitely. Uh, I'm uh, um, vested interest. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a vice president. Yeah. I fully support bees. I'm the second largest beekeeper in Ireland. Um, so I do definitely do play my part in the responsibility of uh, taking a lot of that on. Yeah, yeah. Proud of it. Yep. And people can reach out and get in touch with you by what means? Uh, telephone or email. Um, uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can look us up on Google. As Passion Fields on Instagram, yeah. Passion Fields, yeah. Passion.Fields on Instagram. Um, So hashtag Passion Fields of Bermuda Bees and uh, check out a couple of our photos. Yeah, great. I was actually going to ask you, um, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? Uh, My favorite part of the job is just seeing the the proof of uh, uh, a successful story. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, It's humbling to be a part of it. It's humbling to do it. Uh, it's also hard work, um, but uh, it's never stopped me before. Yeah. Uh, getting stung, um, being ho- out in hot weather, heat stroke, uh, falling off high, high heights, 
being attacked by wild animals it's, it's all a reality um, yeah and um, you know um, I was gonna ask about the challenges but that's yeah. basically it yeah, yeah all these yeah and, and uh, it, it makes you stand out in a certain way and it gives you another certain set of pride to uh, to go off of and uh, you know, there's a few things that, that can really make it happen. Yeah. And uh, when it does, it's, it's nothing else but it. Yeah, yeah. And how do you stay inspired? Oh, um, sometimes keeping my head down, keeping focused. Other times is uh, having an outlet. Um, as hard as this job is and dedicated as you have to be, you definitely need an outlet. Yeah. Um, something to call your own and bring you back down to reality. Uh, knowing so much about something, uh, can actually be a bit of a distress, so dropping it for a day or two or a couple hours and, and doing something you've never done and learning how to figure something out over again just, just really helps you to uh, rewire yeah. and uh, get back into it and Perfect. find the reason why you like it. Um, it's a passion of mine. I love it. Uh, it's, I mean, it's inclusive of nature. It's really the mecca of, of the horticulture. Um, and, uh, I only knew, I only know great people doing it, so mm. it's even more um, interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your time and sharing it with us. Yeah. And yeah, check out his Instagram and things. And thank you for thank you being guys. on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, guys. Take Bye. care. Bye. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed being a part of me and Spencer's conversation and that you have learned new things about the life of bees and the process of honey making. Links, as always, in the show notes. Just scroll up the podcast app or go to my website, betchloe.com. If in Bermuda, get your hands on some of the Fiddlewood Flow honey and contact Spencer if you have any queries on any of the work that he does. He also runs beekeeping courses. And if you like this show, I would be most grateful if you could tell a friend, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It all helps. Or follow me on Instagram at BetChloe. Stay tuned as next episode will be the wrap-up episode for season two of Vet Chloe on the Road, where I wrap up this 15-episode season, but also the last 15-episode season as I self-report on my Lap of Oz adventures. I will focus on my travels in Australia, my circumnavigation of it, what I experienced and can advise and inform you about, giving a broad paintbrush stroke of the animals, environment, climate, people, podcast conversations I had, favorite things to do and see, changing trends. It truly has been an inspiring experience with a focus on wildlife and conservation. It will be a fun one. Don't miss out. Message me any questions you may have via Instagram, Facebook, or my email, info at betchloe.com. Till then, stay kind, and I'll see you at the next stop.